welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and Happy New Year. This is uh, the day that the Lord has made. Let us, be re- let us rejoice and be glad in it. I am excited for a new year, a new opportunity for representing the glory of Jesus Christ. And um, I know many of us are trying to put 2020 behind us, but I pray that you not only put it behind you, but you think about what are some things that God showed you about yourself, some things that you learned, some things that you need to improve of, uh, th- some things that you need to grow in, and some things that you need to continue in, be encouraged by, find joy in. Uh, and so... Uh, I, I, I I hate that people almost every time I go on someone's video or something, they're talking about how, um, you know, 2020 was so bad. And, da, 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 and I, I get that. I get that. Um, but I, I, I do pray that we learn how to uh, be Christians who are seasonal. The Bible has a lot to say about how we operate and, and, and be consistent and, and with God, no matter what type of seasons we're in. And so I pray that even though for many, whether you lost your job, whether you lost a loved one, whether you had a very, very difficult time, I hope, I pray that we um, would have a transcendent disposition of joy, a transcendent disposition of honesty and brokenness and a commitment to Jesus Christ that is transseasonal. Um, so today on this Sunday, every now and then I will pull out this sermon for um, the first Sunday of the year, and it's our spiritual checkup to see how we are doing in our soul. This is called the soul checkup, the soul checkup. Uh, turn with me to First Peter, I mean, Second Peter chapter 1, and we'll go down to about the 10th verse. It says, Simon Peter, a servant of, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received uh, a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and godliness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with godly, uh, uh, goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge, self-control, self-control with, uh, uh, um, um, with endurance and with endurance, godliness and with godliness, brotherly affection and brotherly affection love. For if, the, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. The spiritual checkup. Let's go before the Lord together. Father, we are thankful that no matter what type of season we are in, 
we are able to look like Jesus and display the manifold wisdom that comes through Christ. God be with us in this new year and help this to kind of order our year, order our direction, order our steps, order our hearts, order our vision, order our uh, souls, families, disposition. In every area of life, order us. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Um, one of the things that I think you and I always have to do is we have to have times of checkup. Um, in the physical world, you and I need to go to the doctor and get blood work done. And usually before I go to my doctor's appointment, they want me to do blood work. And that blood work, what it does is it helps uh, the doctor get a gauge of how I'm doing. And once I get to the doctor, the doctor pulls out the results of the blood work. Or sometimes they'll send, now it's so technological, they will send you your blood work results um, through what's called a portal. And through that portal um, system, on uh, through an app, you will see some of the some of the stuff is of course above my head. Um, however, um, they will give sometimes commentary on it, and then when you come into your doctor's appointment, your doctor has already had a without even touching you. The doctor can take what's inside of you and 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 get a litmus test for what's going on with you without touching you, without you know all the things that they do to probe the thing they put in your ear, the opening your eyes for a while, the, the popsicle stick that go on your, your tongue, the, the the reflex check, all you know the heart check and the all that, they don't even have to touch you. They can they can get a sense uh, of your of how you're doing based on uh, the inside of you, and, and and in doing that, the doctor's desire is to make sure that they are able to see what's going on with you so that they can uh, challenge and work through and develop a, a, a plan for what may be wrong for you or encourage you where you're doing well and tell you to continue in your trajectory. Well, that's what God's word is for us, and that's what this word is for us. It is, it is it, we're going to do some blood work, and this blood work is some blood work that the, these are different things within uh, 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 your chart of your soul, <clears throat> the blood work of your soul that kind of are uh, some metrics for how you're doing as it pertains to your walk with the Lord. And uh, 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 hope, hope here we'll get some diagnoses and we'll have some prognosis of what we can do about what's going on in our life. And so Peter writes in Second Peter <laughs> differently than he writes in First Peter. In First Peter, he talks about what's happening to the church. But in Second Peter, he talks about he does an autopsy on the church because the church has some things going on in it that need on and you'll you uh, in in the, in the book of Second uh, Peter, uh, uh, um, he is focusing in on uh, how the church is doing in its soul and how it's responding to stuff that's going on inside the church. And I think that a, a, a great test of whether or not someone is a believer, uh, a functional believer in the local community, is how you respond not only to what's going on in your life but in church life. Stay with me. Um, your your response to next chapter, he talks about false doctrine, and chapter after that, he's going to talk about catalogical the last things and one of the ways that he begins to apply these metrics in chapter one is how they relate to foolishness that happens in the church do you have the maturity in the community of faith to rightly see foolishness and deal with it and respond to it in a biblical and godly way ain't nobody gonna talk back right there but that's all right but it all starts with what is your health quotient like because your uh, uh, your health your spiritual health quotient will give you a barometer for how you function in your practice of your entire life. 
And so here he says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle. He, it's interesting that he calls himself a servant before he calls himself an apostle. He sees himself first through the lens of servitude before he sees himself through the lens of his position. Um, Jesus Christ one time was telling them the greatest among you will be uh, a servant. And, and because they were arguing the apostles over when they were young bucks over who would be the greatest. And, and what's interesting here is it seems like as in the OG stages of Peter's life, he is now learning what it means, listen, um, to be a, a servant before you're an apostle. And so he began seeing uh, his, 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 because to be a servant, you have to have a certain disposition of soul. Because when God puts you up high in something or gives you high ranking, to become a servant uh, 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 takes practical soul condescension. And that practical soul condescension is, 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 a, is a deep way of having a beautiful sense of humility so that you know that Christ is ultimately greater than the position that you think you're in. And then he begins to go down and he begins to help the people of God in some areas of their life. First, he starts off with helping them to frame their value system. Remember last week that we talked about when God does something in our life and when God prepares us and when he works on us, he works on our mind or, or our heart, if you will, mind, emotions, will. Here, he begins to go through that same kind of functional process. The text from verses 3 on through verse 10 functions on that three-pronged process of mind, emotions, will, value system, affections, and practices. Mindset or, or value systems, uh, 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 affections and practices. Look at verse three. He says, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. This is beautiful. One of the things that I always I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, I'm helping. I'm trying to work on in my life to remember and try to disciple to help other believers in is that God has positionally given you everything. Um, God has positionally given you everything. There is nothing in your life that God requires of you by command that he hasn't already given you the capacity to execute. The question isn't, God, give me the ability to execute it. That's not the prayer. The prayer is, God, help me to walk in and access what Christ died to provide for me. And so when you look at this, this verse, he says, seeing that his divine power or his divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That means positionally you have everything you need. In other words, God has downloaded, like we've said, God has downloaded onto the life soul of the believer a brand spanking new uh, 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 operating system, your operating system, like a computer. An operating system is the mechanism that, that, that helps the entirety of the computer to work. It's programs, it's memory, all the operating system. It connects all of the, the, the things together and helps you to operate, the, the, helps the computer or the technology to properly operate. God has put a new operating system on your life. And when God has put a new operating system on your life, now you have the ability and without excuses to do what God has called you to do. You and I should be committed to operating differently, operating differently in our thinking, operating differently in our affections, operating differently in our practice, operating differently in our home, operating differently in our family, operating differently in our singleness, operating differently in our marriage, operating in our different differently in our parenting, operating differently in every single area of our life, operating differently in business, operating differently in uh, finance, operating differently in friendships, operating differently. That's what the gospel frees us to do, family. 
And so because the gospel frees us to operate differently, um, the challenge, though, is, is not is the operating system there. The question is, and we'll see in a second, is are, are we doing what we need to do to learn the operating system, the new operating system? <laughs> are, are, we, are, are we doing what we need to do to learn a new operating system? I remember um, I got a new piece of technology. And, um, you know, sometimes I can be technologically lazy. In other words, I, I pretty much want to call another techie and them just give me the cliff notes of me doing the least that I can do to make it function based on how I want it to function. And so what I'll do is I'll call whether it's a media team member at Epiphany or a friend, and I'm like, hey, just tell me how this works. Like, what, what, do, what are the basics of this? And they said, they're like, Pastor, did you, like, read any of it? Like, did you look at any of the points to it? Did you, like, I'm just, I'm trying, Pastor, I'm trying to say really patiently, like, in love, have you? And I'll be like, no, nah, that's why I'm calling you. And they're like, but Pastor, it's real easy, but if you connect yourself with it, you know, it may work a little better, you know, and you may learn it faster. And what I really want is the cliff notes on how to operate, but not how to embrace my need to go engage what it takes to learn how to operate it. Many times in our lives, we, we want the cliff notes to the Christian life. We, we, want, we, want, we want a piece of the Christian life without the responsibility of the Christian life. And what we're going to have to do is, we're, in order for the operating system to be made your own practically in your life, you, you're going to have to know that God set your life up for you to take hold. I like the, one of my favorite verses is, take hold of that which is life indeed. That, that, that means it takes effort under the power of the Spirit, effort that's empowered to grab a hold of what Jesus has already given. It's not something you go get the life. It's something you to take hold of what you already have. Now, interestingly enough, he says, who called us by his own glory and excellence. Beauty of this is God calls us in a response to his own glory. God calls the believer in response to his own glory. God doesn't look at the believer and see something that he likes and wants to now, because he likes them, wants to reflect that through building a relationship with us. No, God looked at himself and saw the beauty of how great he is and how glorious he is. And in responding to himself, listen, guess what he did? He said, I want to share and I want someone to enjoy with me what in my self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency is a simple way of God. It's God all by himself. You don't need nobody else. That's what grandmama used to say. Um, she knew that theology real well. In, in, other, in, other, in other words, um, when, 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 when we talk about God, God doesn't need anybody else and he's self-sufficient. He's self-sufficient, but one of the things that he knows is he's so self-aware of how great he is. He wanted to create human beings in order to enjoy on a level what he was enjoying in himself. And it says he called us by his own glory and excellence. And so as God, God is always motivated by God, never motivated by you. Let me say that again. See, if you, your prayer life would change if you recognize that God is motivated by God. That's why when Moses prayed uh, for Israel, 
um, before God was going to destroy them and say, hey, I'll take you, Moses, and make a nation out of you. Moses went and prayed. And when Moses prayed, Moses didn't pray for Israel specifically. He prayed about God's glory. He didn't say, God, Israel, look at him. Look how bad. He knew that wouldn't motivate God. He, he spent enough time with God to know God motivates God. And so what he ended up saying is, God, what would the nation say about you and your glory if you just brought these people out of Egypt and destroyed? And God responded to that. That wasn't like God was being tricked, but that's God uses prayer as an interpersonal way of practically seeing how we get to know him, but then also unlocking what he's already wanting to make available. Oh, that's a whole sermon series. But I'm just telling you today that it's so important for us to recognize the beauty and glory of the fact that God is motivated by God in your life. God loves you, but he's not merely motivated by it. And that, that's not absent of love. That's the greatest love because he called us to be in a relationship with him to reflect him. And so God being motivated by God, if more of our prayers were God word, not self word, not just about me, just about mine and just about my destiny, about my future. No, but about God's glory. What does God get out of what I'm asking him? See, that's what happens as you grow and develop. And that doesn't mean you don't have intimate times of honesty and that type of thing with God. But I just want you to give you a larger principle that God is motivated by his glory but it says here it says by these that is his uh by these verse four he has given us very great and precious promises the bible says in second corinthians chapter one it says all of the promises of god are yes and amen in jesus right it says so that through them that is his promises you may share in the divine nature in other words this is what god sent Jesus for, for us to enjoy, John 17, the enjoyment of relationship that God the Father and God the Son enjoyed before God the Son came to earth and before everything was created, right? Especially escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. So as we walk in God's promises, and not only as we walk in God's promises, but also as we um, enjoy God, sharing his divine nature is enjoying him, being with him. And man, I can tell you there are times and seasons in my life where my greatest sense of confusion, greatest sense of a lack of clarity usually comes from seasons of my life where I'm not walking in intimacy with the Lord in a healthy way. I'm not getting up and getting with him when the house is quiet or I'm not, I'm not after everybody goes to bed and the chaos is over. I got four kids and, you know, so, so and all the chaos, I'm not staying up and just getting with the Lord in a solemn and solitude type of way. Make, taking quarterly hotel deals or getting a bread and breakfast quarterly. Some, something to get away to really just say, God, let's let's download. You need to figure out ways in your life to enjoy your relationship with God and and make the most of it. It's, it's not just in treating people. All right, but sometimes you, it's talking about it's being with God, sharing is His divine nature. Isn't means to enjoy God. The the idea of sharing here is the word koinonia, the Greek word for fellowship or partnership, right? And so uh, uh, that idea of being in God's presence or bosom. That's what it's talking about there. That's very very important. And I hope that this year that you will take the time to say. Lord, I, I want to make sure that consistently there's a deep check-in with you where I have this sense that I've met with you, that, that sense that you've shown up 
and through both knowledge and feelings, right? It's both. Sometimes we like to feel God's presence. Um, nothing wrong with that. I don't know if that's a fully biblical idea, but um, I think there's a sense of being in God's presence where, and I'm not saying feeling God's presence is, is unbiblical. I'm just saying I think we have some metrics on being in God's presence that don't necessarily reflect what the Bible says it means to be in God's presence. Um, there's a sense in which God's presence will manifest. Um, it's a sense in which you can feel a sense of all like they did in Acts chapter 4, 31. Uh, uh, yet, yet results of being in God's presence is what means you've been in God's presence. And we'll see what those results are in this text, right? So it says, it says, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. He says, by this very reason, that means it's, uh, uh, all, all three of those things in that passage, make every effort to supplement your faith. And so that means that in supplementing your faith, supply your faith, put these things in your faith, inject them in, right? And so, and so, and so remember, we're using the idea of doing an autopsy. What I want you to do in this section is I want you to do an autopsy on these different pieces of your life. When you do, um, it's interesting, when you, go, when you go get blood work done, they, you know, sometimes I, you know, you don't know how much blood they're going to take. And they have these little cylinders that they use. And those little cylinders are marked for different things that they're going to test. Right. I want you to see each one of these things as a cylinder that God's going to extract from your life to put in the test laboratory to see how well you're doing in that particular area of your life. All right. So so look at look look at look at um look at it says supplement your faith. In other words, it means put these things in your faith to see how they're doing. Put these things in your faith or add these things to your faith. In other words, th th this is what faith should should be filled with and furnished with. The first thing is goodness, goodness, a sense of goodness. Some translations say moral excellence or virtue, piety. It means it means it just means to be uh, uh, being committed to God's standards. In your life, are you, we'll talk about what this, those specific standards, this is just talking about, <clears throat> this is not talking about the specific standard yet as much as it's talking about a level of commitment. You know, I wonder, you know, one of the things that I wonder nowadays is are we, <clears throat> are we committed to being worldly pleasing or godly pleasing? Um, are, are, are we committed to being perceived, because Christianity has a bad reputation among lost people in a way. <laughs> and in light of that reality, I think sometimes Christians can try to unchristian their Christianity so that they won't seem like the type of Christians that are out there, right? Like Western Christianity, right? And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to, and I, and I understand the Russell because you're trying to reconstruct what you think is a biblical form of Christianity from Western Christianity because of how badly it's perceived because of it being hijacked into uh, 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 what it's hijacked into now. Yet at the same time, we have to be careful that we're not wholesale developing a relationship with the world that is devoid of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ practically. And so being commi committed to his standards means being committed even when you're not liked. See, to see um, um, if you like being liked, it's going to be hard to be a Christian because as the last days come and things get worse, there's going to be more. Th it's, it's going to be less ways 
for you to hide away from being a biblical Christian <laughs> because, because the world is going to hate the church more, not because of the wrong reasons, but because of the right reasons. I think there's some wrong reasons the world hates us. <clears throat> um, but I think that there's some right reasons once biblical Christianity begins coming out. If, 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 it, if it hates us because we refuse to take the mark of the beast, that's good hate. <laughs> if, if it hates us because we, we refuse to let go of uh, 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 redefining the family, you know, let it hate us. If, 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 if it hates us because we love our enemies, uh, uh, um, let it hate us. If, if it hates us because we continue to be committed to Jesus Christ, even though we've never seen him and, the, and people are saying the Bible, but all this different stuff, we, we, we let him hate us. You, you have to be able, and, and it, but, but that doesn't also mean cre being a jerk, right? And being hyper judgmental. It just means, hey, this is where I stand. I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but this is where I stand, right? And so, so, so commitment to standard. But then when you add to your faith, Goodness, you add to your faith and goodness, supply with your goodness, knowledge. Knowledge. So goodness is added to your faith. Knowledge is added to your goodness. In other words, your commitment to a standard has to be, listen, informed, knowledge, biblical knowledge. And so um, th this is where now you, 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 this is what was beautiful about being a Christian. You are redeemed to have the ability to be committed but you need to have your commitment informed. See, because you can be committed to the wrong things if your commitment isn't informed. And then you won't be committed to the things God wants you to be committed to. So that means you need to be committed, you know, uh, you, you know in, in, the, in, the, in, in every single area of your life. And you need to inform your commitment, whether it's, an, uh, you know, a relationship. You want to get in a relationship with someone. Um, you need to be using God's standards. You can't be using your own standards because you can be committed. You may be, everybody's committed to something. The question is, are they biblically committed? So, so you can be committed to a body type. You could be committed to uh, a chemistry type. You could, all that kind of stuff. We got chemistry. I like the way they look. That's my type and all that kind of stuff, right? But then um, when it begins to say, okay, is this person God's type for you biblically? Do they know God? Do, do they have a, a, a unflinching commitment to Jesus and to bear fruit? You know, are, are they willing to sacrifice in life? Are they willing to suffer well? Like when you start bringing up that, most of us don't even have identifiers relationally for someone like that. And what will happen is, is we'll end up um, emotionally getting attached to someone past the, 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 the breakwater and the, and the point of no return. And then when someone who is in your life who's a believer tries to bring up some of those things that they see about the person because you're so emotionally attached and you think you can change that person or, or, or you're, you're banking on God changing them instead of you just saying, hey, there's some seeds of things that people have to have. We're not talking about perfect people, but what we are talking about is red flags of not bearing biblical fruit where sometimes you'll say, well, I, if you got to say, well, I think that, you know, if you say, is, is, is he a believer or is she a believer? You say, I think so. If you say that, that's not good. That means what you've done is you've emotionally attached yourself, listen, to someone who you're not even sure of is committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're willing to risk that in order to alleviate your desire to not be lonely anymore. And it's very, very dangerous. And so you need to inform your standards so that, you, listen, this is my emotions will, 
<coughs> when you have values, your values are supposed to inform your affections. If your values are substandard of scripture, then your affections are going to be informed by substandard values. But if you have affections that's off, but you have standards that are biblical, your biblical standards and commitment will, listen, override your feelings because feelings don't follow truth. Truth, I mean, truth doesn't follow feelings. Feelings follow truth. And so therefore you say, man, I know I feel this way. Man, I know I like her. Man, I know I feel like I love him. But, 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 but what you need to do is say, let me put down the biblical standards of what God wants. And do they functionally fit into those categories of God? And then you got to say, man, this is going to hurt. But it's better to hurt early because of biblical truth than to hurt later because you both ignored biblical truth and you've ignored where that person really is spiritually. Being committed to God's standards, right? <clears throat> Not only that. Not only that, and you can apply that to so many things, but not only that, um, he says, add to your faith self-control. Self-control are passions under control. You know, uh, you, you know, passions on a leash, right? Y'all have heard me say this. Passions on a leash. It means passions. There's nothing wrong with being passionate. It, it, it is, it, it, not just sexual passions, but uh, emotional passions, even like godly anger. Passions. Passions is, passions is the part of our life, Right? But you gotta get you gotta get your affections under control, right? You you need to make good decisions about where you unleash or let your affections be. This is so important. So 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 I, I always use the illustration. You know, our affections aren't like the little fufu doll that you hold or you can put on a plane in a in a bag and carry on your shoulder. No, <clears throat> our our affections in our life are big dogs like. Like Argentinian mastiffs, uh, uh, South African bull mastiffs, Presa Canario, you know what I'm saying, Rottweiler. That, we, we got that, that. So you can't put them on a little vinyl leash. You got to go to Home Depot Lowe's and get one of them chain joints. And you got to yank that, yank that joint. You, you, you have to understand that your passions, your personal passions, is nothing wrong with having passions. The, uh, the issue is where are you guiding your passions to go? It's so important that you guide your passions, that you don't let your passions guide you. The more you inform your passions, that's why some of us jump from thing to thing. Many of us jump from thing to thing is because, <clears throat> because the, the world has kind of told us, follow your heart, right? That's not really a biblical idea. Um, and, and what ends up happening is <laughs> is, is, is we'll have a pattern of incomplete things because our passions are all over the place. And so one of the things that I get, I, I get concerned in, in, in our life is that every little shifting passion is the thing we think we need to pour ourselves into. We need to learn how to say, we need to take some time and inform our passions, inform our passions biblically, inform our passions with community, inform our passions with time of the Lord, so that the passion may be informed. That's, that's, a, that, that's why the, the leash, self-control, is the way that you tell your passions what the Bible says. <laughs> oh, man. You, you, that, that's what you got to do. You got to tell it what the Bible says and tell it when it's legitimately acting and when it's illegitimately acting. You, you know, you know, um, I, I, think, I think it's so important. You know, I had some guys that, uh, some guys that wanted to start up church, start up ministry real quick, you know. 
And I had some people that wanted to start businesses real quick under me, wanted to start businesses. And I would sit down with them and I would talk to them and I would say, this is a good passion, but the way you're moving forward, you don't even, you don't know anything. You don't know what you're doing and you need to inform your passion with education. You need to inform it so that when you do it, it's sustainable. I said, right now, passion will, passion, listen, is limited. It, it will go, to, listen, passion can only take you but so far. You need self-control and knowledge and spending habits and all of that kind of stuff. Listen, you're not, you got to learn how to, when you make your first money off of something, how to reinvest it into the business. It takes self-control to do that. Reinvest. That takes so many of y'all don't have the self-control yet to do that functionally in your practice. That's why you some of y'all gotta wait on some stuff. Some of y'all always jump in the gun to do the next thing and to move to the next place and go here and I'm moving to Yugoslavia. I'm going over here. Listen, y'all need to learn, listen, how to have some self-control because many of y'all, particularly millennials, are so driven by passion because you've been taught in this generation to follow your passions. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. I'm telling you it's not in the Bible. <clears throat> the Bible talks about following God. Now, this, now, passions are a good metric for some things you may be good at or not good at. Some people are passionate about things they're never good at. Like some of y'all still trying to sing. It's not working. I'm just saying, but, <clears throat> but again, I, I'm just saying, like, 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 be careful of letting your passions be the driving force for you making bad decisions on a regular basis. Let me tell you, let me, let me tell you this. Let me give you a word. This is a, this is a prophetic word. <laughs> you know. Don't make any rash decisions during the pandemic that you'll that you will regret later because you've been starved of some things in your life and it's magnified during the pandemic. And because you're not getting, you're not seeing certain things move forward in this season because of the pandemic. You begin making a decision that you'll regret later. Anyway, anyway, look, look, at, look at what it says here. Endurance. Endurance means consistency in the midst of adversity. <clears throat> That's simply what it means. Endurance is a monster <clears throat> because endurance is the ability to have resilience when there's resistance. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. It's, it's, it's the ability to have resilience when there's resistance. That means that you're willing to keep going. Uh, 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 you know, you, you, you have to build up your endurance capacity during cardio. You know, you know, you, so, you know, I remember one time I, I went on a bike ride with somebody around Kelly Drive and, and on the other side, Lincoln, Martin Luther King thing, whatever they when they close it off. I didn't know. It was, he said, let's go on a bike ride. It, that thing was 15 miles. I hadn't ridden a bike like five miles in a long time. I almost killed myself. My legs were hurting for three weeks. <laughs> Why? Because I didn't build up to the ability to be able to do that in a way where it benefited me but didn't burn me out. Endurance or resilience is the ability uh, to have consistency in the midst of adversity. That's what God wants for your life. Godliness. Godliness is what it looks like when Christ's image is formed in you. Then from there, it's being formed in different ways in your life. But then from there, it goes to brotherly kindness, how you treat other believers. Then it goes from there to how you engage the world. Then he gives an assessment. So we saw mind, emotions, will. 
right? Then it says, for if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these qualities, that means you're not growing in these areas of your life. When you're not growing in these areas of your life, it says, You'll be short-sighted and blind, forgotten your former cleansing from your former sins, forgotten your cleansing from his, past, his or her past sins. So what will begin to happen is, is the Christian life will become dimmer. I've seen people get into syncretism because of this. Because some people will act like the Christian life isn't working for them, but the reason why is because you haven't worked the Christian life. Oh, you haven't. You haven't, like, when someone tells me that, you know, they're going to start doing other things, burning sage, whatever, burning sage, or do, I'm going to add this to my faith, uh, Christianity, and or I'm leaving the faith. And what ends up happening is, is you ask them basic questions. Have, what is sanctification? Have you ever been committed to the Lord Jesus Christ through spending time with him, letting him pour into you, investing in you? Have you put yourself in a discipleship? Many times, 99.9% .9 of the time, those people haven't, and they end up giving up on the Christian life because they've never invested in their Christian life. The Christian life doesn't just happen. That's why it says add to your faith, right? But then it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort. See this? Gospel-centered, listen, gospel-centered Christianity doesn't mean I act on nothing. Gospel-centered Christianity means, it means this, is that the gospel has empowered me to act on everything. That's the key. And so what did he say? He said, make every effort to confirm or make your calling and election sure. In other words, make every effort to affirm that you're a Christian Be through spiritual growth and belief. Now, you attach yourself to the mechanisms that help grow people. That's why we're about to go through Unleashed um, through our small groups. We're about to do a small group study through Unleashed and really begin to help people grab a hold to the things that grow you spiritually. And he says... He says, because of these things, you will never stumble. Stumble is talking about you not making mistakes. It means stumble away from the faith, commit apostasy, walk away, stumble in the sense of, oh, have, your, have an earthquake of a faith moment. And so, so this year, I want you to begin quarterly listening to this. I want you to make this a part of your spiritual checkup. How are you doing in light of this? How are you doing in light of this? See, what happens when I go to the doctor and they do my blood work and they look at some things. They say, Pastor Mason, or not Pastor Mason. They say, Eric, Mr. Mason, you know, these are some things that we see in your blood work. These are some things that you need to cut out of your diet. These are some things you need to add to your diet. These are some medicines that you need to take, right? Right, right. The, the, the word of God is going to need to be your pill. Prayer is going to need to be your pill. Getting in the word is going to need to be your pill. For some of you all, therapy is going to need to be one of your pills. Some, some godly counsel is going to need to be, but you need to get some specific, very helpful spiritual medications in your life to help you with your goodness, help you with your knowledge of the word, help you with self-control, help you with endurance or perseverance, help you with godliness, help you with brotherly kindness, and help you with love. You need those things in your life, and I want you to meticulously write different things down that you need God's medical help with. And I pray that nowhere in your life you will find yourself stumbling. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for the opportunity to touch your people and me. This is always a checkup for me as well. Lord God, help this checkup to go well 
and help us to respond to it. Help us not to just take notes and the notes kind of be beside the notes that we took the notes before week before and the notes before week before that and notes last year and the notes 10 years ago. But <laughs> help us to use our notes and go back and spend time with you in the Word. Help us not to create some big new devotional. Help us just go right back to this. Spend some weeks on this, meditating on this, building this out and getting some level of accountability in our life to help us to etch out these things. Lord, we honor you. God, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here today uh, and you're not a believer. We want to invite you to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you can't have a spiritual checkup until you, you've been spiritually changed. And so Jesus Christ wants to save you, take you from spiritual disconnection to spiritual connection. If that's you, put your confidence in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to reconnect you with God and take you from spiritual separation to spiritual connection. And once that happens, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. And the challenges in your life will have hope because there will be someone that's in the trenches with you. Um, on the night that Jesus, let's get our hearts and minds ready for communion. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. And after um, the meal, the Passover meal, and the bitter herbs, he took the cup, gave it to his disciples, and raised the cup and said, this is my blood, blood of the new everlasting covenant, which was shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. What a way to win and begin the new year. My prayer for you this year is that you will pay close attention to your soul and the truth in the word of God. God bless you. And may this year be one of the most ferociously beautiful years of your life. God bless you. Happy New Year, family. See you soon. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.